You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking About Podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Olinger, joined by Sean Kennedy and joined by Dan Volpone of Liberty Ballers as well. How are you doing, guys? Doing well, Daniel. I'm glad to see we are back to having a guest. Uh, happy to have Dan on um, with a little bit of a crossover episode, the Gastroenteritis Blues. Uh, what do you guys call yourself, tri-hosts, or are you all co-hosts, Dan? I, I, we're all, I guess, co-hosts, but no one's ever put a name on it. I don't think we're even formal enough to have named it. <laughs> all right. Yeah, a lot of, lot of exciting uh, rumors in the NBA right now, and of course, James Harden is foremost on Sixers' mind. So, of course, you guys are going to talk Northwestern Pitt. Yeah, that's, things that's off what here. people want. For those who don't know, I go to Northwestern University. Dan goes to Pitt. They played a basketball game last night. And just for a brief recap for those who didn't watch it, which I can't imagine you wouldn't watch such a high-quality <laughs> basketball game. But if you didn't, uh, they started off – I think the first – Oh, I want to say 10 minutes of the game, the teams shot a combined like 10 of 50 from the field. <laughs> and Northwestern had like a 15 point lead at one point. They led for the first 39 minutes and 55 seconds. And then in an unbelievable fashion, gave the game away and lost the game 71 to 70 to pit at the end. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, this could, again, this is not a Northwestern podcast. This is what they've done like for the last two years now is just blow leads left and right. It was very hard to watch. I remember at the first TV timeout. So it was, you know, like, I think, you know, four and a half minutes in ish and it was seven, nothing Northwestern. And like seven's not a lot of points to have after four minutes, but it's college basketball, like not a terrible start. Ped zero points. And I was like, well, this is going to be a, a terrible, like, you know, pit game. Like, my freshman year, pit went 0 19 in ACC play. So I don't have any expectations for pit. But that just means that your school losing to pit is even worse and even more fun. Back to back years now is. It is Did just we beat you last year, too? I think they played in the, um, what is it called? The Palm, no, Fort, Fort Myers thing tournament down in like Florida or something. Okay. And they beat them there. But yeah, this game was just. Turn, I mean, the turnovers also. Oh, it was so. And then Robbie Varon for Northwestern on the last play of the game, the drive and dump off to Pitt's best player last night, Champagny, I think is how you say that last Yeah, just, Justin Champagny. Yeah, they, because the boo booey for Northwestern actually had the drive covered up, but then Robbie Barron stepped up, even though he didn't have to, left his guy open in the dunker spot. I'm trying to think of an equivalent. So imagine like if. Shake was driving against a guard of similar size and hadn't really gotten an angle, but the other team's defender stepped up, leaving Ben Simmons open in the dunker spot. That's probably about the equivalent of what happened in the last play of the game. It was awesome. 
It was awful. For, <laughs> first lead of the game. You said 71-70 was the final score. That was Pitt's only was lead. Only lead. Five they, seconds left. You guys started three of 25 from the field and won. I mean, I can't – I don't think, like, I can count the missed layups to, in the first half, but oh my Xavier God, Johnson scary. alone had four or five. Uh, you. What was the thing you sent me about Terrell Brown? Oh, Perfect. I said that watching Terrell Brown play basketball well, it makes me want to stop watching sports. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, the good thing for me is I'm emotionally detached from Northwestern sports, so I I view all the games as comedic rather than tragic. Um, <laughs> I've had to kind of get to that point with Pitt. I get, you know, like it's just like all the my my breaking point was the Pitt football game last year against Penn State when we when Narduzzi kicked from oh, the yeah. one on fourth and goal, I and we game. missed the field goal. It was bad. That you know, was that was the end of it for me. We're talking about all this. Meanwhile, Sean gets to root for Villanova, who's like, I mean, I don't know if they're a national title contender this year, but they're definitely very good. Yeah, they're top ten. They they have a couple couple good wins. They just beat Texas. Uh, their only loss was a game against Virginia Tech, who's another you know top twenty ish program that they wasn't even scheduled. They just decided, hey, we're both in Bubbleville. Why don't since since we've already cleared protocol and we happen to be in the same place, let's play a basketball game, which is I don't it's like very AAU esque. If uh, it's like a team cancels, you just kind of figure out who else is in the gym that you can play when you're at a weekend tournament. Uh, that, so it had that vibe. So wouldn't put too much stock into that. But yeah, they're looking good. They got uh, James Robinson Earl, who's you seems like Jeremiah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Oh yes, sorry. Um, it's a great name. It is. Uh, he is, seems to be the next in the long line of rangy forwards that come out of Villanova. I if like his, him. Yeah. His shot has to improve a little bit for it's, if he's ever going to be like, like a, a, I like his shot a lot. I think he has really good form on that. He does. It's projectable. I, I think he just has to kind of hone it, um, at the next level. If he's ever going to be like a true stretch four ish kind of player, I think. Um, but yeah, he's, he looks good. Gillespie's, you know, the typical Villanova guard who can shoot and do, do all the little things. And uh, yeah, they're just the Jay Wright team where every, they they move the ball around and everybody can shoot a little bit and they play great team defense. It's it's a, it's a factory over there. They just they just turn them out. Northwestern or Pitt versus Villanova on a neutral court. What do we think the line would be set at? Oh boy, I think yeah, Villanova is is really really good and even if they played a bad game they should they should be winning by at least 25 maybe minus like 16 i don't know i would i would if villanova was playing pit and only favored by 16 i would put all my money on villanova (laughs) yeah the one thing is i do think villanova like it does seem hard for them to score all the time because I don't think they're super athletic compared to other – like it was really interesting game between them and Texas because Texas is one of the most athletic college basketball teams in the country with Greg Brown, Kai Jones, their guards, and like Jones and and uh, I think Coleman, his name is. They're, they're a very athletic, rangy team, whereas Villanova was – I mean, Villanova plays great basketball, and I, it's not they're not unathletic, but, you know, it's not like dominating – athleticism where they can get whatever they want whenever they want so they're not that's what I think probably separates them from the very best teams like I mean this is very niche college basketball but right now the best teams are Baylor and Gonzaga and then you could probably throw in like Iowa and Michigan State if you want to 
Gonzaga looks very good. Gonzaga is really, really <laughs> good. They they play like an NBA style offense with NBA level players. Are they yeah. playing mostly in conference from here on out? Like, is there any chance they lose a game before the tournament? Yeah. So they because they were supposed to have the game, huge game against Baylor that got called off right. due to COVID concerns, and they just had another one versus Southern called off. I think they're supposed to play Iowa at some point, which. Oh, okay. kudos to Gonzaga for scheduling teams like Kansas, Baylor, West Virginia, Iowa. That's really awesome just to see them go out of their way to try and take on these teams. And, they're, and I do know in their conference, they play San Francisco, who beat Virginia in that one game and is actually a pretty good team. So, like, their conference can give them some troubles. But, no, they are they are a very good team. Like, and Jalen Suggs is going to be, a I think, a very good NBA player in the future, as what, as is guys are guys like Corey Kispert on their team. So, Dan, I think that since – I know we didn't actually make a bet, but I feel like in my own head we did. And <laughs> since Pitt won the game, I feel like you now need to, on your next big board after the season or whenever you make another one, have some kind of addendum that Audis Tony is also an incredible player and that you love him. Well, okay, is Audis Tony – a better player than anyone of the 15 guys on the Sixers roster right now. Right now we're going forward. Oh God, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what, was, that's what I was saying. Like, <laughs> No, it's sad because he's my favorite player on the team, mostly because he plays hard and he's a guard who can rebound, which is like pretty fun. He's a good athlete and stuff. But no, he's, he's he actually has, his, he's been like shooting pretty well, but his, his shot looks ugly. Oh, I'm getting a call. All right. His, his shot looks pretty ugly and it, no one I no one I mean I don't watch a ton of college basketball so I wouldn't I wouldn't even be the best person to ask like I don't even watch all the pick games but um no I haven't seen anyone I haven't seen him on anyone's radar in any kind of way yeah <laughs> funny enough I just remember this right now I can't I can't remember the specific familial connection but I think it might have been my dad's cousin played for Pitt oh, I really? would, yeah I definitely had it there is someone in my family tree who played basketball at Pittsburgh for four years. I know that much. Well, that's I, I would need to ask more about it to get the specific details, but I know that that part's true. Well, Pitt used to be good, so that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Northwestern's only made the tournament once in 100 years, so say if I was to say one of my relatives played for Northwestern, it wouldn't be quite the, quite the same thing. Was that recent that they made it? Yeah. 2017. Okay. I thought I remembered that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It was a big deal. Every, but, uh, every year for about 15 years, every beat writer was rooting for Northwestern because about half of them went there. So <laughs> you had a outsized amount of like Twitter coverage about what Northwestern was doing any year they were semi close to making the tournament up until then when everyone finally rejoiced. They made it. And I mean, Vic law from that team, he, Hey, he played on the magic played for the magic in the bubble. So, you know, he represents. <laughs> there you go. So yeah. Speaking of the bubble uh, we're, we're going bubbleless now in the NBA and we, we we're going to talk about bull predictions today for, you know, little Sixers and the NBA at large. And uh, Daniel, why don't you start us off? Give us a bold prediction, man. Yeah, I should start us off because I was the one who threw this on on both of you last minute that we should do bold NBA season predictions. But um, and like you don't even have to fully believe it, but it should oh, be I like that. I feel like it has to be very bold. Um, to steal a phrase from 
the Ringers Fantasy Football podcast that Danny Heifetz uses. If have you guys watched SpongeBob, both of you? Oh, absolutely. Sean, I, I, I've seen it like maybe a handful. So okay, so I'm aware want, of who the characters are and stuff. We want your bold prediction or hot take. It has to be bold enough to get you into the salty spittoon, so to say. Like there are what was it? There are no Weenie Hut Junior takes allowed. This has to be a, it has to be a very bold prediction. That was and, too deep a cut for me. Yeah, <laughs> Dan, I hope that one didn't fly over your head. No, I, I, I got you. That's uh. <laughs> so um, Dan had to mute himself there for a sec, but uh, so my first one, and you guys can feel free to either agree with me on this, or I've, I've gotten mixed reactions. I've told people, part of me is starting to think the Nets might win the East. And that I might pick them to win the East. I, I had kidding? I had that one as one of mine. Oh my gosh! This is like <laughs> when we we did when we ranked the East. We both said we think the Nets are really good. Yeah. So I'm saying they'll make the finals. So okay. okay. I I don't think they're going to win the, the regular season because I think they're going to have Durant come along slowly, and he's not going to play back to backs for a bit. And there's going to be a lot of load management. And Kyrie, they'll try to do some load management because of his recent in, in injury history. But man, when the playoffs roll around and you got Kevin Durant, who prior to his injury, you could credibly say was the best player in the world. And even now, if he's 80 to 85% of the player he was, he's a seven foot guy that is one of the best shooters in league history. You got Kyrie, all the big game experience and shots he's made in his career. You got those two guys I, I'd put them toe to toe against anyone, and in what is a pretty wide open East, I mean, you could make an argument for about five different teams. I would say, uh, I, I think they have as good a chance as anybody to to come out of the the East and and make the finals. So, for going bold predictions, I'm going Brooklyn to make the finals. So, Dan, I don't know if you still need to mute, mute yourself for this part of the Zoom, but what do you think of me and Sean both having a lot of confidence that? Because I, I agree with most of what Sean said. I, I think the Nets, there's a good chance that they just might be the team in the East this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I could I could actually go a bull prediction the other way and say that the Nets are being, I think people are too high on the Nets. There I think, go. you know, I think they have some some players I, I have always liked, but I don't have, you know, playoff experience. I think, you know, Kyrie was, has been, has been good in the past in, in, this kind of role where he's like not the best player on the team. And like when he played with LeBron, that uh, that team obviously won a championship, but lately he's been hurt all the time. And, and, you know, his teams have been worse when he's played that, that was with Boston and with Brooklyn the last couple of years. So it wasn't even like a team specific kind of thing. And then I'm not confident in, in, you know, I, I Durant is obviously if he comes back and he's perfect, he's a top three player in the league. But if, there's no guarantee that a 30 something year old comes back from, uh, you know, a torn Achilles and is, and is just fine. You know, he could, he could, you know, still be a top 10 player, but he might've, you know, lost some kind of a step and, and top 10 versus top three is the difference between, you know, getting that team over the hump or, or, you know, maybe being like a three or four seed losing the second round. Yeah. I'm just thinking of it from like, they were still without Durant and Kyrie. For mo- they did not have Durant last year. They did not have Kyrie for a significant portion of last year. They still were a solid enough team to get the seventh seed and com- 
even though they got swept by the Raptors, they weren't really embarrassed by them. They kept some of those games close. And then you throw into there, I theoretically, a player who in Durant who I think I would say top fifteen all time player to me personally, someone who possesses the most important skills in basketball and creating shots off the dribble, that no matter how difficult they are, and just how much he offers as at that height with his level of skill, and then someone in Kyrie who I still, I mean, you can say that they played better without him. I, the 2018 Celtics, I mean, the 2018 Eastern Conference was one of the worst conferences ever. Like, neither does both of the whoever made it to the finals of the Celtics or Cavs that year was going to get swept by the Warriors or Rockets because they were both bad teams. And then 2019 was the weird Celtics chemistry year. 2020, I mean, he barely played. I'm not really taking that too seriously. It's just hard for me to forget that in 2016 and 2017, Kyrie was pretty awesome in both of those playoffs and especially in both of those finals and you just throw him and Durant together and I just I I don't think I would pick the heat to win the conference again I'm not sure if I think truly think the Bucks are the team after watching this last years I wouldn't go all the way to the Sixers wouldn't go all the way to the Celtics it's like a process of elimination where I feel like I don't have a ton of confidence that they're and any of these other teams to win the east and I just get to the Nets and I'm like well at least I know that if Durant came back at full strength I would pick them because I think he is would then be the best player in the east that was pretty convincing (laughs) all right thank you (laughs) uh so I'm sticking with it sticking with it nets are overrated but (laughs) hey I do that I do this every year in the playoffs also one of my favorite part about NBA playoffs I love to fully lean into the uh as soon as a team loses their frauds heat lost in the finals frauds only one team cannot be a fraud in the league. Everyone else, they're equal losers to me. That's how it goes. <laughs> I love it. Um, Sean, so we kind of shared a bold uh, bold prediction on that one. What's Do you have a second one coming to mind right now? Yeah, so I'm going to say that Shea Gilgis-Alexander makes the all-star team. Ooh. there. See, I would have. I thought you were going to say most improved player, and I would have said that's not really bold, but also – Right. I yeah, so most, impro- most improved, I don't feel like that's really bold. I feel like – He's writing that he's he's got I don't know if they list odds on most approved player anywhere, but I, I would say favorite. yeah, he would have to be, if not the favorite, one of the top two or three favorites. He's writing that that wheelhouse of second or third year guys making the leap and just fits the profile for that for that award. But I'm gonna say all-star because we're making bold predictions. And the only I I think the only reason this is considered bold is because the West is so stacked with especially the the guard positions, but looking at his stats last year, he averaged 19, six and three good percentages. He's moving from primarily being off ball with Chris Paul in Oklahoma city last year to they're talking about, he's going to be the man. He's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. Now there's no way that uh, if we continue along his current career projection, his numbers don't go up in some significant way with that additional uses that he's going to have this year. So you're looking at like a 21, six and five line. And just with those numbers, I don't see how he could be ignored in the all-star conversation. So I think he kind of gets in, in like the same reasoning and role that Brandon Ingram made the team last year where it's young guy just putting up really big stats on a not so great team. And I don't think the Thunder 
I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs because the West is so incredibly tough. But yeah. I, I think they're going to be a little better than people expect. I don't think they're going to be down in like the true dregs of the league. They have um, a savvy veteran at center. They do. They yeah, got... I, w- I was going to say that the more bold prediction is that Shea makes Al Horford cool. <laughs> oh, that's just come on. That's just nonsense. It, it it would get me into the salty spittoon. That is a bold take. Like Shea, Shea makes old man Al a cool guy. <laughs> Al, Al's cool in his in like he's the dad cool like <laughs> like dad humor I, I, like that that's the kind of cool vibes that Al exhibits in, in my mind um, but yeah so Shay Shay's gonna put up big numbers he's gonna get a lot of buzz in like that most improved conversation that we talked about and uh, from going bold I'm saying he's making the all-star team I, I like Shay a lot there's a lot like there's there's a very few in the anti Shea Gilgis Alexander camp. He's generally a fun player to watch, but I do think there is something to he's probably better as a secondary guy than as a primary creator, and I'm not sure how success successful your team can be going forward with him as the guy. Like if you told me like over under on him all star appearances for, for his career, I'd probably stop at like three. I, th- I think he's a very good player. I don't think he's like the face of a franchise in that sense. And I would say, while the Thunder currently constructed, maybe aren't you're right, won't be as bad as some people think. There's a definite chance they could trade guys like Al Horford or their other veterans because it seems like they're all in on the future. And when you have a guy at the top of this next year's class in Cade Cunningham, who, I mean, Cade Cunningham is probably a superstar by most estimations you do a lot to increase your odds to get him. Sure, but that kind of stuff's going to happen around the deadline. And yeah. by then, the all-star votes are pretty much all going to be tallied. It's not whatever happens towards the end of the season when teams are in full overdrive for bottoming out and getting as many lottery balls as they can, that's not going to factor into what happened as far as the all-star selections that already took place. Shea will be out with like a weird uh, non-disclosed foot injury for the last two months as the Thunder go 0-30. Yeah, he'll have he'll have a sore groin or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's 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 my my bold one for, uh, for Shea to make the all-star team. I like it. Dan, you have any thoughts on Shea, the all-star? I, uh, the, the only reason I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of that one is like, uh, Sean Sean pointed this out of himself, but there's a lot of a lot of really good guards in the West, and even even last year, um, like you know Curry was out, Devin Booker only got in because Lillard was hurt, so uh, I, I think it will be tough for him to kind of get a spot there. But I guess you know who knows, especially because you know some of those guys are getting older, and and it's not unthinkable that they could get hurt again, um, especially you know. I think Lillard's into his 30s, Curry's in his 30s, early 30s. So, um, I mean, yeah, like who knows? There's always a year where, you know, someone also just stops playing at that level. So maybe maybe there's a spot for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, so we have now given our some bold takes from us. Uh, you said yours is kind of that the Nets might be overrated. Do you have any others off the top of your head? I'm not sure how bold it is, but I'll give you maybe kind of like a two-part take. Okay. Um, but because just like, you know, kind of topical stuff, I think that uh, 
Giannis resigns or Giannis signs an extension, okay. does not get traded, and I think Harden gets traded a couple weeks into the season in a similar style to Jimmy Butler, and I think it's to the Sixers for Ben Simmons. Oh, now we're talking the a James Harden for Ben Simmons trade. Uh, elaborate on why you think it happens. I I think it happens for a few reasons. I think uh, one reason I think there's reasons on each side. One is that uh, like for Houston, it's easier to say we'll wait it out uh, than it is to actually do when it gets uncomfortable. And you know the Rockets have guys who just want to play and don't want to think about it, and they're playing hard and they maybe feel like Harden is, you know, halfway out the more than halfway out the door at that point. Um, and, you know, Harden is, you know, maybe complaining that he's getting too many minutes or something like Jimmy did at one point. Um, and just kind of like being miserable, like he seems to be at this point. Um, and I think that's not easy on the whole organization for Houston. I'm, I mean, I'm not making, you know, any kind of like ethical judgment of Harden for doing it. It's probably, I think it's probably an effective way for him to get out since that's what he wants. I mean, um, the partying, partying during a that was bad. The COVID that, stuff. That's questionable. <laughs> yeah. Questionable decision making. I'll say that was bad. The um, but like the others, like the team specific stuff. I mean, it's it is a business, and and it seems like people too often expect it to be only a business for when the team makes decisions, but when the player wants out, then that now it's personal. So I, I think that I don't I don't think it's crazy for him to want out. Um, especially like with the direction of that organization, you know, the last year. Um, I think that on the Sixers end, uh, I know there's a lot of optimism about what this team can be, but I don't think that I'm, I'm personally not super convinced that this is anything close to a contender. I mean, I think, again, the, the Sixers are right where they were last year where there's like, no team in the East that's like blowing you away, but there's just like four or five or six like teams that are just winning games. Like they're beating all the teams they should beat. And I think the Sixers are still going to have some issues. And I don't think it's going to take that long to see that some of the stuff that's working against the Sixers, terrible reserve players, isn't going to be like as unstoppable once you start playing good teams. And I think, you know, it's going to be too good to pass up for the Sixers. Like you have, um, and a chance to get James Harden, you go get James Harden. Um, you know, obviously, right now, Maury says, you know, well, according to rumors, Maury says Ben's off the table. I think that's more of a leverage play on his part. I'm sure the Rockets are making leverage plays, uh, you know, to the media or, or whatever it is as well. You know, that's kind of the, the dance that everyone does. But I can't, I can't see the Sixers not giving Ben. I can't see the Rockets getting a better offer than Ben. And I feel like they're both just holding off until they – you know, find a deal that they're both going to end up agreeing on. And the start of the season, instead of settling things down, I think on both ends is kind of going to, um, you know, drive them to, to um, you know, put a little pressure on each side, have them want to make a deal. And I think that's, that's why the timing works out that way. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
if the Sixers trade for James Harden, do either of you two think that makes the Sixers the favorite to win the East? It has to be one of them. I mean, maybe, I, yeah, I think, right? Like, um, it, it's, cl- I, I, I guess, you know, at this point, Harden may or may not be better than Durant. I might, you have to see how Durant comes out looking. I, I'm really confident that Embiid is better than Kyrie. Um, it, I don't know how, I think, you know, with, I think Ben being gone actually helps Tobias a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Not that Ben is like currently like hurting Tobias or anything like that, but I think you can, I think Tobias benefits from having more shooters out there. Like a like a James Harden, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias, Joel lineup, I think is is pretty. I think that's going to be pretty beneficial to Tobias. Um, so I think you know if you get him playing like you know we saw him play with the Clippers when he was at his best, uh, you know with the right lineup around him, then he's better than the next third best player, who is I guess you could debate Dinwiddie, Harris, maybe Levert. Um, so um, the Nets are deeper. Obviously, you know, the Sixers don't have TLC, which is that's 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 a they, they also don't have Landry Shamit. <laughs> oh, I forgot the Nets are strong enough. The Nets are deep, the Nets are definitely yeah. deep, but in the playoffs, in the I don't think the Sixers are the one seed in the East by any means because they're gonna have to, you know, Joel will get rest and they're gonna have to work on chemistry throughout the season if they do make a trade. Um, and if they don't make a trade, there's no way they're the one seed. But, um, I think when the playoffs comes around and depth isn't quite as important, I still trust Daryl to, you know find pieces around the edges as he's always done well, whether that be, you know, at the deadline or maybe he's already confident that he's done that with some of these guys he's brought in. Um, and, you know, maybe the nine deep is, you know, you have, you know, Shake um, and, and Maxi and um, Thibel and Korkmaz, and maybe those guys play well. So I, I don't think that, you know, they're clearly not as deep, but the bench isn't necessarily a disaster. I think if they get hardened, they are the favorite, but they're, they're like a favorite in that, like, there's like five teams around the top and, and, you know, the Sixers have the best chance, but maybe like a 30% chance to actually win the East or like a 25% chance to actually win the East because there's so many teams up there. How about you, Sean? What would you think? No, I don't think they'd be the favorite. I think they'd be better in the short term, obviously, but I still think not only would they struggle defensively more with Harden, but just losing Simmons against all those big wings that they have to go up against. Like you, you lose him against all the Boston guys. You lose him as an option against Giannis because Embiid can't do that all the time against Giannis. Um, So I I feel like that all the offensive value Harden would provide would just be negated by Simmons's absence on the defensive end. So I, I don't think I would, put them as like a cut and dry favorite. I think they'd be marginally better and I feel better about their chances in a playoff series against anyone else in the East that they might face. But it, I, I still think they'd be in that overall group of teams where things could really go either way in, a, in any given series. Me and Sean should just start a Brooklyn Nets podcast where we talk about how optimistic we are for them in the season. <laughs> <laughs> the two biggest Nets Sixers fans out there you're gonna find. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I still feel good about where the Sixers are at. I, I, I really don't think that a Ben Harden trade is gonna go down, and it's. I definitely don't think it's gonna happen soon. I think they're gonna wait to see how this roster looks 
around Ben and Joel that they've constructed. Um, I think they feel really strongly that all the shooting is going to help them a lot and get them back to what it looked like a couple years ago when the offense was really humming. And uh, so I, if it's going to happen, I'd be, I'd be shocked if it happened before February um, at the earliest. And uh, from Houston's perspective, they just don't, they don't have to do it right away. Like Harden still has a couple years left on his deal. If he gets disgruntled and they're not playing well, I mean, that's I mean, fine. Gets disgruntled or more I, I'm, disgruntled? Yeah. Like more like to the point where he's not, playing well because of how disgruntled he is um like you're they're saying not... like if they're worried about him his play on the court driving his own value down like people look and they're like does this guy suck now and the rockets know and they're like he's just like yeah he's, i don't he's unhappy but he would be good but you know other teams have reasons to not pull the trigger yeah i i just think that the justification isn't there for them to to have to do it immediately they're not in a position where Oh, we're going to ruin our chances at winning a title this year. They're not winning the title this year if if you're Houston. So you have to continue to take a long view and say, hey, either we're continuing to build around James or we have to get the pieces in place where we have a guy to build around. And uh, I think Simmons would be that guy for them. I think they'd be right to be patient and wait for someone of his caliber but I just don't see that happening right away from the Sixers' perspective. So I think I think this thing's going to drag out for a while. Yeah, it's not it's not my bold take because I don't think it's that bold. But uh, I, I would bet money that John Wall might be completely shot. I, I don't think there's much left in the tank well, there. I would, I would argue that's likely at this point. Yeah. What's um, the opposite of bold? Mild or? Well, I, bland? I is it a bland that, take? If I actually went with that, I would be going to Weenie Hut Juniors, not the Salty Spittoon. There you I mean, go. Dan gets this entirely, whereas Sean's just like wondering what the heck. That is, a, it's a classic episode. It really, it's is. a really good one. Um, yeah, I like when he, when, 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 when he, he's like trying to get in, and um, he says, "I ate a bowl of nails for breakfast," and. Like the bouncer's like so, and he's like without any milk, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. right this way." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so another bold take I would have, and again, still not a hundred percent sure if I believe this. Just like I'm starting to lean closer to taking the Nets to win the East, but I'm not sure I would do it yet. There's part of me that thinks the Heat do not get out of the first round in the playoffs this year. Wow, I love that. So, yeah, um, uh, just thinking about the teams in the East, I think the betting on the Bucks to win the most regular season games is actually pretty solid because I think it's just what they do with their system and how consistent Giannis is night to night for them. So, and I, I think they'll probably just kill whatever eight seed they play. Again, really like the Nets. I think they'll make it out of the first round. And then that leaves you like the Sixers, probably the next year, like Sixers, Celtics, Raptors, and uh, the Heat. No Pacers? I mean, the Pacers will probably will make it, but I just – are the Pacers be – they've been swept two years in a row for a reason. So – Oh, uh, I agree. I just think that regular yeah. season-wise they could be up there. Yeah, they could be up there, but like I'm basically just thinking – those are the six teams I think can make the second round in the East, oh, to okay. put it that way. And I would bet on the Sixers just higher upside talent over the Heat. And I also think 
the Celtics and Raptors might have more of an infrastructure to match up with different teams. I, I really, well, the Heat were very good in the bubble. I also think things shook out in the playoff very well for them. And if you even remember in that Celtics series, I mean, the Celtics lost those four games, but like those first three losses, the Celtics honestly could have won all of those games. And just, I think they had leads in all three of those fourth quarters and really blew it. So I, I think they're saying there, it's just hard. The, while the Raptors ceiling is probably still on a downward trajectory, they're just so well coached, so well put together as a team that you can basically guarantee they're probably going to still end up with a top four seed and be a tough playoff out. And as we said, I think me and Sean talked about this with the Heat on a previous podcast. Like they had historically great three point shooting from so many players on their roster last year. It's very hard to bank on that happening two years in a row. So I'm not sure, 100% sure I would say it, but I could definitely see a world where the Heat just go down in a tough first-round series. Like, say it was them for this versus the Sixers in the 4-5. Maybe the Sixers beat them in seven. I think there's – I'm not sure, you know, I, 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 I see where you're coming from with this. I probably wouldn't predict it myself, but I also don't think – I would be very surprised if they made the conference finals. Like mm-hmm. – if they, if they're, I, I don't see any way that, you know, they continue, like they were so hot in the bubble, but, and, and I think, I think it kind of gets overlooked because people didn't have high expectations for them. Um, they, they were really bad before Butler came. Like, I don't, they weren't a playoff team, right? They were the ninth. They, they finished the ninth the year before. Right. Yes. That's what I thought. So, and, and Jimmy's a good player, but he is, He's, you know, he, 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 everyone knows what he is. He's a really good player, but he's not like, you know, a top two or three player in the league or anything like that. Yeah. And um, the big, was, was he was obviously, yeah, he was obviously big, but then yeah, Bam became an all-star and like a top 20 player. And Duncan Robinson went from nothing to one of the league's best offensive weapons. But, but, the, but the thing is, I just can't see all of those. It's like the Eagles Super Bowl year, like every player <laughs> took the step forward at the same time, but that doesn't mean that that's like a sustained step forward. And it's not like they have been doing it all year. I think the reason, you know, like they were really close to the Sixers in regular season record. Mm -hmm. Um, The Sixers were the six and they were not far behind the Heat who were the five, right? The Pacers had home court advantage in that series. Am I wrong? Not, there yeah, was no they, home they court, technically did. They te- I, right, technically. So it's not like we're just not, messing around. Basically. They didn't dominate all year. Like they, they were the five seed. And that's with everyone taking a step forward. And obviously in the bubble, they went just insane. But that's a really short period of time. And it's the most important period of time, to be fair. But I, I just can't see all of the pieces falling into all the right places at the exact right time for a second year in a row. That seems crazy to me. Sean, am I crazy? No, it's yeah, they're gonna be in that three to six range, I would say. And I think from that group, everybody could beat anybody on any given night. Like we saw the both the Miami Boston series, the the Boston Toronto series before that. Like they, they could have easily won either way. Every game was going down to the wire. Uh you know, a a crazy three here and a offensive foul call there and just completely change the trajectory of the game. If, if they go the other way, then, you know, everything, all, all the narratives about last postseason completely change the, the, the margins were that close for all these teams. So if they're still in that group, um, the only way that they 
can really continue their upward trajectory is if Tyler Hero continues his progression and looks like the kind of guy that was capable of those big explosions that he had one or two times in the playoffs last season. Uh, he has to do that on a more consistent basis. Um, and then, you know, guys like Duncan Robinson have to continue to show that, you know, that wasn't a one hit wonder in that he's going to continue to be one of the top five shooters in the league. Um, because Jimmy's, you know, Jimmy's getting older. He's, especially during the regular season, he's not going to be playing anywhere near the level we saw in the postseason on any, any given night. There's going to be a lot of nights he takes a step back a little bit. Um, so, yeah, there. I don't, I think it's pretty clearly like Milwaukee, Boston, one, two in the regular season. And then it's going to be that three to six group and they're going to be right in there. So, could they lose? Absolutely. So if, if you're talking about predictions, saying the team that lost in the finals last year isn't going to get out of the first round, I think that qualifies as bold. Ooh, I made it. Uh, Sean, um, what's what's another bold prediction you might have had? All right. So I wanted to have a, a Sixers one. Um, I'm going to say that Seth Curry finishes top 10 in the league in three-pointers made. So he was... I had, let me pull it up again real quick. He was 40th last year. He had 145. Okay. Um, Harden had 299. So he was about half behind the the league leader. Um, but he he made two, a little over two a game, 2.3 a game. You need about three a game to be in the top 10. And he's he's gone from a situation where he was more of a rotation player to being a full-time starter in Philly. And I really feel like he's going to get as many minutes as he can handle because Are we they for sure he's going to be a full-time starter and that doc's not going to start shaking Danny green over him. No, I think doc's already hinted that Seth's going to be in the starting lineup. And uh, yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty confident in saying he's going to be a starter. Okay. So you're talking about a situation where, they're going to want him on the court as much as possible alongside Ben and Joel, just because what he unlocks for them with the spacing and just enables their enables them to get their driving lanes or create the space in the post to operate simply by being on the court. He's going to be out there a lot. We're seeing in these, these training camp practices, they're running a lot of pick and rolls with him and Ben, him and Joel, and he's he's just going to be very involved in the offense, I think, a lot more than people realize. And so I think there's going to be a lot of situations where because of all the attention Ben and Joel both, uh, you know, draw from the defense, he's going to be out there. He's going to get a lot of open looks and he's going to play a lot more minutes than he did last year. And simply through sheer quantity, um, you know, we, we know he's one of the most accurate shooters in the league. He's going to get that volume up, and all of a sudden, we're going to see a, a jump in his numbers, and he's going to be top 10 in the league. And uh, people are going to, you know, really praise the the Moray trade for, for bringing him over um, and, and unlocking him as a, high usage, a higher usage player. Okay, just a quick – this is just a random thought I had after that because it all makes a lot of sense what you said. Say that that your bold prediction did come true for Seth. He he's top ten in the league in threes made. He's probably averaging a good amount of points off of that too. Would you say he could potentially just just potentially surpass Tobias Harris as the third best player on the team? 
is there a world where that exists yeah uh sure <laughs> i would i would say if uh yeah, they could absolutely be at, I they would both be averaging around like 14 15 a game. But so if, this would cut into to Tobias's volume then, do you think? Cuz Tobias averaged like 19 a game last year. If only he would take a 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I I was just trying to think like cuz if he makes that kind of improvement, the Sixers should be very very good. Because, I mean, Seth is already a good player, but, yeah, it is tantalizing to think of just how good can he be providing spacing for the Sixers when you already have two interior threats like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I know he's not going to be a, a primary option, but could he be in that, like, Duncan Robinson, Bertans-type role where he's just open all the time and just jack- he has the green light to just jack shots because – everyone knows that's what's needed for, for the offense to have a guy that is willing to take those shots right away. just so that defenses have to account for it. And that can open up things for Joel and Ben. I think that that's a pretty realistic scenario. And um, just given his, his accuracy that the, the numbers will follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could, I mean, the one thing I would push back on with that is that, Bertans and Robinson can get off more threes because of how tall they are at six eight and six ten. Whereas what is what is Seth like six three? Six, yeah, yeah, it's a little it, different than. Yeah, it's just it's harder to get them off. It's it's what makes those guys so good is that at that height you don't need as much room to get off your shot with a clean look. Right. Whereas Seth, like you know, if another team switches a six seven wing onto him, it's just harder to get that shot off because their longer arms are in your face. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think I don't think uh, either Washington or Miami has. Well, Miami does with Jimmy a little yeah. bit, but I don't think Washington had as good as Beal is. I don't think he was creating the. Well, now they have the, the defense. He was drawing the defensive attention that the guys on the Sixers would be. I'm sure Davis will get plenty of passes from Westbrook. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> can I can I make a bold prediction that uh, Bertans will not score as much as he did last year or get the ball as much <laughs> sure Just... I'm, I'm here for it <laughs> yeah uh dan do you have any last predictions I have, I'll have one more for you i'm not even sure i believe it but i'm gonna say it all right let's go for it denver nuggets first round exit Ooh, see the thing is the west is so good it's definitely possible i will say no matter who the nuggets play the series will go to seven games right they in his <laughs> career he's won three playoff series and none have been in fewer than seven games that also means that they're i mean the nut it's so hard for me to say anything bad against the nuggets because i love watching them so much i Jokic is just one of my favorite players to watch in the league he is incredible what he does but no i definitely think that's not beyond reason giving like how the so when who which four west teams do you think would make the second round then if you had to pick so i mean sorry i let me just preface it by saying like the the reason i would say this is because at the bottom of the West, I think you're going to see a lot of good young guards. Mm-hmm. And the Nuggets defense for at least for four games was such a disaster against Donovan Mitchell. And the only reason they got by is because Jamal Murray could not miss a shot if he tried. Um, and I think that that's good. Obviously, Mitchell was hot too. But I think that that's going to be hard to sustain. And they still don't have the pieces in place to 
to guard a, a Devin Booker if they get the six, or even John Morant might be tough. I think Memphis makes the playoffs this year. Um, hmm. Utah's still around. I think, you know, the Lakers and Clippers make the second round. Um, obviously, Houston and the Thunder are, are not going to this year. Um, I Well, I guess Houston still could. Um, if they keep Harden, there's always a chance. Yeah. I, I'm not going to predict them to because I, I don't want to contradict my other bold prediction, which is great hearted. Um, All has to be in the same universe. Yeah. So you, so you don't think you, Ben I'll Simmons? You don't I'll think Ben you Simmons carries them to the playoffs? Oh, yeah. This is, this is a good one, Sean. <laughs> oh, I don't think, believe it or not, I'm not excited about the Ben Ben Simmons John Wall fit. <laughs> Again, does John Wall, like, does he play 10 games even? Like, I, I mean, I'm just, John Wall was not good before his last set of injuries. He, the, the running joke was he ate himself out of the top 20 players in the league, so he came back like 15 pounds overweight. But maybe he can shoot now. You never know until, until you see it. We say it about Ben Simmons every year. I think we, that John Wall deserves it as well. Maybe Boogie's knees still work? Yeah, maybe he got the uh, Bynum Germany surgery. <laughs> How many jumpers in an open gym does John Wall drop on Instagram? That's the real key here. Uh, someone's gonna have to look at someone's gonna have to give us like the metrics on that um but my fourth team i'll go with uh i think you know i don't think phoenix is a top four seed but i i love the chris paul pickup and i think i think they they win a playoff series so suns lakers clippers and who else would you say makes the second Suns, lakers clippers and uh and jazz but i think the jazz play a tough series against memphis Hmm. yeah i i love memphis like and how they're the running joke is that they are draft Twitter's team because they, after getting Brandon Clark a year ago, they picked up Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, and Killian Tilly this year, who were all like, for just from my perspective, like top 30 prospects, and they got them at picks like 30, 35, and undrafted. They're my two favorite so, Hills on the same team now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, but the one thing is like the Grizzlies could be a lot like last year's Kings, where they overachieved maybe last year. And they could come back down a little bit. Their three-point shooting isn't great. They're, I think Jaron Jackson will still miss like the start of the year, if I'm correct. And it's just, and also just the West got better. Like the Suns should pose a bigger threat. Um, I mean, you even have teams like, I mean, the Trailblazers beat them at the end, but the Trailblazers should be better with having Robert Covington. And I, I just think I could definitely see the Grizzlies like barely missing out. I, I do think the Grizzlies are a very good team going forward. I love, I mean, I'm there, there are very few people on the planet who like Brandon Clark as a basketball player more than I do. <laughs> but that could be my bold prediction. Brandon Clark, third team all NBA. <laughs> wow. That was going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> what year is this prediction for? Well, it, if I'm getting into the salty spittoon, it's next year. Okay. <laughs> yeah um but that is probably enough bold predictions for now because we i guess we have predicted like a nets lakers finals with james harden with james harden on the sixers just missing out which honestly that sounds like a pretty fun parallel timeline to me Who knows? yeah it would be pretty fun um I would definitely like to watch James Harden versus Kevin Durant. James Harden and Joel Embiid versus Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in a, a conference finals would be very entertaining. That'd be awesome, yeah. Oh, yeah, and Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for going easy on me generally over that Northwestern pit loss. <laughs> it, was, it was rough, but again, I'm emotionally detached from 
anything my college sports teams do at this point. Uh, and Sean, thanks for putting up with the Northwestern pit talk there at the beginning. By far the most I've heard anyone discuss Northwestern or pit basketball in the last decade. So these are powerhouses. <laughs> I, I, w- w- was it at Pitt? It was at Northwestern. Uh, okay. I was going to say the, the zoo must have been uh, really, really going crazy in, in their, uh, their absence there. But uh, yeah, the, the days of, of Pitt Villanova basketball, I, I remember them well. They, they had a lot of good battles over the years and uh, Scotty Reynolds will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Just brag about your college team being awesome, Sean. <laughs> you win all the championships. Well, uh, I've never won a professional one as a fan, so I gotta, I gotta hang my hat on the collegiate level. Well, are you not? You don't I mean, root for the, uh, or are you basketball specific? I guess you're saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, I was about to say, I, Sean, I thought you were an Eagles fan. <laughs> yeah. I'm. Yeah. That's a different sport. I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking hoops here. Yeah. Talking about the Eagles. Uh, I mean. You, you, I didn't get to watch the full game, but the Eagles are a mess. But now we get to see Jalen Hurts this Sunday. I'm excited. Real, uh, real tanking vibes around the Eagles right now. So it's it's a familiar place for Philadelphia sports fans. It, I'm fine if they <laughs> finish like three twelve and one. They could either take Devonte Smith, the awesome receiver from Alabama, or if Jalen Hurts is not the guy, um, Justin Fields from Ohio State is kind of awesome. So <laughs> I'd be perfectly fine with that too. Or yeah, they could I'm very content with the Eagles because we won the Super Bowl. They can screw everything else up now. It's fine. It's the five-year grace period. That's right. Yeah, hopefully Howie just doesn't take a receiver that uh, is worse but projects as a better fit. <laughs> oh, you already know we will. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's another guy at, at the uh, controls for the next year's draft. Yeah, man. Well, that's probably going to do it for us today. Uh, Thanks again to Dan for hopping on with us. Uh, Sean, great talking to you as always. I'll talk to you next week. And yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Take care, guys. See you guys.